0: guys, when I think about the fact that I used to get in my car um, and drive to therapy as a depressed and anxious girl, I honestly cannot believe it. Like The irony that people who suffer from depression have to will themselves to get out of bed and then battle with parking and traffic and waiting rooms only to talk to their therapist for an hour... Not to mention the emotional roller coaster of health insurance. Um, I'm over it. Why don't we make mental health easier and more accessible? Well, there is someone who does that, and that's BetterHelp. Thank you, BetterHelp, for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. So to get started, just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. Um, And you can always switch therapists. If you don't feel like your therapist is a match, that's okay. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. I can't tell you how easy this is. To get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, go to betterhelp.com forward slash onlyalchemy. That's betterhelp.com slash onlyalchemy. Hey guys, welcome back for another episode of the Only Alchemy podcast. How is everyone? How's everyone's week been? How are we doing? Are we excited for another episode? i I'm, like, dying for you guys to hear this. As you know, I have recorded these in advance. So this was recorded a little while ago. If you haven't watched The Circle, Alyssa is from The Circle Season 4. I watched it a long time ago, like, ages ago. But I remember her because she had a... Was like a vagina pillow or something like that that she brought on the show and I was like, I like this chick. That's awesome. I don't think I would have the guts to bring that on (laughs) a national television show. Um anyway, I thought what a better guest to have on to discuss sex. You know me, I am all about discussing things that are not talked about enough and that are taboo and that for whatever reason we have deemed inappropriate in so many ways that I think is just like necessary and sex health and sex education is one of those ways. This is a very like informative episode where we really talk about sex in terms of it being pleasurable and I think a lot of the time it gets discussed more as like an anatomy class and we're like talking about it from like a birth control perspective or, you know, an STD perspective or like preventative health care and all of that sort of thing. But we are putting all of that aside today and we're just going to be talking about pleasure and what it actually means to have a healthy sex life and how you can improve that tips, tricks, advice. Well, you'll have to listen because I don't want to give it all away. I could could literally talk to Alyssa for hours, like all day. She's very interesting. Really quick, I'm going to give you my healing tip of the week. It's not very deep this week, you guys. Get your hair done or do something with your hair. The power that has like it's very cathartic to get a haircut. And I just want to say that cuz I got my hair done. I got a haircut and a color and it just it, it it it's like an instant antidepressant. Like it really does make a difference. And you guys know me. This is not like a dealing with deep trauma tip. This is just like a how to feel good and confident. And I would say that's my tip this week just purely because I got my hair done. So, as always, please subscribe. Email me if you want to, podcast at gmail.com. Your questions, follow me on Instagram, The Only Alchemy Podcast, TikTok, Only Alchemy Podcast. That's it. Love you guys. All righty. I have Alyssa with me today. She's a sex coach and sex educator, but you also may know her from season four of The Circle. Alyssa how are you? I'm doing great how are you? I'm doing so good I'm super excited to chat with you today like I don't think I've ever had a sex educator on this show so I was very intrigued by this role in general Mm -hmm. and then I was also like how did you even get into this?
1: Oh the way I got into it was like very much a um the universe kind of taking control of the situation (laughs) so uh during COVID I'd moved to LA like I moved to LA March 1st and then the whole city shut down March 10th and Uh so I had a job lined up but it was in makeup and that was the first thing that like got shut down so I didn't have a job and I was in a new city and so um there was a sex coach who was looking for a virtual assistant to help her move all of her coursework to her website and help her through social media and all this stuff. So that was the job that I took. And I had no like experience in any of sex education, sex coaching, any of that. I grew up in like a very normal, like Roman Catholic home. Like it was (laughs) definitely not something that we talked about at home. And when I started working with her, I was like, wow, I can't believe at the time I was 26, I couldn't mm-hmm. believe how much I just didn't know about my own body and yeah. and it was amazing to watch these women who were age ranged from 27 to like 72 something like that seeing them learn and um heal when I worked with her, I knew that this was something that I wanted to pursue also because I just watching people um, experience changes like that was just so cool.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. How did your family take that from a Roman Catholic family <laughs> going from makeup to moving to LA while you're yeah. in sex education? <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what? It's actually funny because um, I thought that they would be a little more nervous about it than they actually are. And in reality, and I I think this is true for a lot of people. In reality, I think we are taught to feel shameful about sexuality. But Mm -hmm. when it's when it's you're confronting it in a way where it's like, that's my job. It's very rare that I ever get um, anybody who responds negatively because i think that everyone knows like it's something that we're all doing and no one taught anyone how to do it and um so yeah so in my house too it was kind of like a little bit shocking at first and then and then my parents have been really supportive and um really excited about all of the steps that i've taken so far i will say when we did the show Mm -hmm. my intro clip for the show was me just saying like vagina 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 over and over again. <laughs> and when that came out, um I remember showing it to my dad and he went, "Nice."
0: <laughs> That's better than a full blow up or meltdown.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it you know, they they've been really good sports about it. I'm very lucky.
0: I did you get like the birds and the bees talk as a kid? Cuz I did not.
1: Certainly not. Certainly not. And it's so funny because I think sometimes like parents remember things differently than their kids do and i was fully Uh anticipating my mom to be like oh no i thought we had that conversation and i asked her i was like i don't remember having this conversation do you remember having that conversation and she was like certainly not absolutely not didn't do it and i was like oh my god (laughs) so i think that they kind of thought they hoped that my school was gonna do that and yeah um i think my mom especially tried her best to make uh, an approachable person, so that mm-hmm. if we had questions, we felt comfortable asking her. But there was definitely not a birds in the bees talk, and that's very common that people don't get that have that conversation. And then when you do have that conversation in school, it's we're really only taught about sex education from the perspective of preventative measures, yeah, so preventing STDs and preventing um pregnancy. So you don't really yeah. learn any of like the stuff about what makes it pleasurable and what you should expect. Um, when you lose your virginity, everyone just says it hurts. And like, it's entirely possible to make that experience not hurt, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't know because we don't learn that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I still remember, like I'm from Australia, so it's probably a different system, like education wise for that. But I do remember like the sex health class that we had. And I, I think (laughs) I had this like vivid memory of when I first found out because again I didn't have the talk from my parents Mm. I never really understood that like the penis went into the vagina I was like where does it go like I never got I like I never understood that and then I remember raising my hand in class and being like so it I'm just like clarifying here it goes inside and then they're like (laughs) yeah like I remember my teacher being like what did you think happened I was like I have no idea I remember as a kid literally thinking it was just laying
1: on top of each other. Me too. And I was like, I don't really understand why this is such a big deal and why this is so so exciting for people.
0: In movies, that's all you see. Yeah. Obviously, it's not like, unless it's like an adult film, like right. you're not seeing what's actually happening. You're just seeing people like laying on top. How old and- were
1: you when you had sex education?
0: Um, I think that first... Like that memory. I think I was in grade five. Oh wow, that's young. But we had it up until high school. But again, it was never from like the point of view of like pleasure or anything like that. It was just like very like like an anatomy class, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's good. That's good too. It's good that you learned that like did you in in those sex education classes did you learn that the vulva is the exterior part and the vagina is just the internal i that that was one when i started no. working with the, oh my God. when i started working with the sex coach and i learned <laughs> that i was like i am 26 years old how do i not know this but it's because no one taught me so
0: yeah I still, I had a best, best, best friend who was like my sister all throughout high school. And Mm -hmm. she had an older sister and their parents were also very like, well, her parents were also very like communicative to her. And I remember she would teach me all sorts of things that I had not, I didn't know, like Mm -hmm. just very basic things. And I remember, um, when we started dating, like having boyfriends and things, she would always ask me like, but did you finish? And I had no idea what she was talking about. I was like, finish what? And <laughs> you know, I'm like, you're you're a teenager. So I was like, sure did. And <laughs> I would go home and be like, I, I'm still trying to figure, like I genuinely didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. It took me years of like, po- like post high school, which is probably embarrassing, but I don't know. I mean, everyone's different, but mm-hmm. to finally figure out what she was talking about, like years later, but she oh, yeah. was probably also advanced for for her age in terms of like knowledge I guess maybe not I don't know
1: I also feel like the likelihood of of her actually climaxing at that age is like so small yeah like, I feel like that didn't I don't think I knew how to do that for myself until college like well into college. And that's yeah. that's also like we're not really taught to advocate for ourselves or to really explore for ourselves and like yeah. understand what that feels like. So if someone's asking you and you're like I don't know. I have no idea. I don't like even if you knew what she was talking about, the likelihood of you understanding what that felt like was probably really pretty, pretty slim at that point. But that's so funny that she would ask you.
0: <laughs> well, as women too, like we're so taught to be like not sexually fulfilled.
1: Even looking for answers, I feel like it's hard to know where to look sometimes and um like what resources we have available to us and um and it's it still requires some self-exploration because you can go online and like read that, you know, the clitoris is it has it's like it almost has the shape of like a tripod. And uh-huh. so it sits behind there are clitoral legs that sit behind the the sides of the vulva. So mm-hmm. Like that probably would have been really helpful information while we're yeah. trying to figure out how to um, find pleasure for ourselves, because there's so much more available to us that we just are not. We're not given that information, and so we just don't know to even look there. And uh, and even now, like there's something that they call the or- the orgasm gap, and there is a significant gap between the rate of orgasm for straight. Um, Mm -hmm. cisgendered men and straight cisgendered women and if you look at the rate of orgasm for women who are having sex with other women they are much more likely to orgasm so there's a there's a also a bit of a knowledge gap too because Sometimes I kind of feel bad for the men who are like, it's impossible, it's impossible because they also have not been taught. Like they yeah. were not given like a magical playbook that, you know, where they learn what the biology of of a like a vulva is. And so we're just hoping that they kind of figured it out because at the end of the day, for most most people, we're not doing enough self-exploration either. So we don't know and they don't know. And then we're all just sitting there <laughs> blaming each other and and no one's coming.
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I, by woman myself, I can one hundred percent concur on that statistic. You're right. It's like we're all blaming each other. Like, why can't you figure it out? And it's like Mm -hmm. the guys just like, well, you, how am I supposed to know if you don't even know? And then also, everyone's different.
1: Yeah, everyone's gonna have some preferences, and our anatomy is a little bit different. Um, so yeah, you need to know. You need to know what you like, and ultimately. Being able to orgasm is your own responsibility. Like you need to be able to direct yeah. your, your partner um, and tell them what feels good and what doesn't because they're just kind of like guessing.
0: Is there like, a, like an average age of when women generally figure everything out? I don't
1: even know if there's a specific age because everybody is so different and is based on like you're doing a survey. So you're hoping that people are being honest with you. And orgasms are also, there's kind of a range to them. Like there Mm -hmm. isn't one kind of orgasm every single time. And you might have experienced this too, where like there are orgasms that feel different based on whatever you're doing, or if you're tired, or if you used a toy, or if you didn't. But I know that there are women who are in their like 50s and 60s who have never had an orgasm in their life and so i think where you start to see a peak of people like figuring it out i would say is around like your 30s um
0: wow okay
1: it's later than you think because we're like you said women are not really encouraged to seek pleasure for ourselves yeah and we're given this whole narrative that doing that makes us this like hypersexual person or this um person who is like, for lack of a better word, like slutty, like, it's just like, we're given this whole narrative that's so different than the average, like, male or male presenting person would experience. So there's a lot of shame associated with that. By the time you get to like your 30s, I think that's when people in general start to let go of that the shame that is sort of externally thrust on us and Mm -hmm. we're a little bit more able to sink into like who we actually are prioritizing ourselves that that kind of stuff starts around your 30s
0: i'm so in shock about the women in their 50s is that because of their more like their generation or yeah yeah for sure
1: for sure i mean there are people who have like i know from experience like because i've i heard them talk about this there are women in their 50s and 60s who have grandchildren
0: and Mm.
1: are only now learning how to orgasm and it's possible again that they had like very small versions of an orgasm and didn't have never really like for them what they're asking for is that like really explosive you know legs are shaking and you're exhausted afterward type of orgasm and they've never experienced that at all but yeah, there are people who have grandchildren who have never, in in their words, have never had an
0: orgasm, which is crazy. I remember there's this episode of Desperate Housewives, that show, mm-hmm. the TV show. Yeah. When Brie has her first orgasm, she's like, probably around the same age, 40s, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe close to 50, and she goes to the doctor. Yeah. And she thinks there's something wrong with her. And she's like, <laughs> I think I'm having like... I think she said, like, I think I'm having, like, a stroke or a heart attack or something. Yeah. And then the doctor was like, what were you doing at the time? Right. And then, like, the doctor basically goes, like, miss, that's, you know, an orgasm. And she's like, oh, my God. Like... (laughs) you know, she really thought there was something wrong with her.
1: Right. But that, i first of all, I love that show. Me too. <laughs> so, it's so good. I love that show. I don't even know, I don't know where you can watch it now. I feel like they took I it I think it's those... on Hulu. Is it?
0: Oh, yeah. That's dangerous
1: information. Because I've rewatched re-watch... it
0: a number of times. <laughs> oh,
1: it's the best. It's the best. Brie is a really good example of like, of, of women who prioritized being this picturesque mm-hmm. mom and, and... Yeah keeping their house looking a certain way and their kids looking a certain way and having that be your priority. And then when it comes down to it, like you kind of, you fall last and your, your pleasure is last on that ladder. And that happens a lot for, um, for women and for moms specifically. Mm,
0: Yeah. So what like advice would you give for moms, maybe even new moms or moms who are you know, being a mom for a while, and they've been married for a long time as well, or their life, their sex life is kind of not the priority, or maybe just like the spark has kind of deteriorated there.
1: I would say two things. I think the first is if you're having a hard time with the changes physically in your body, and you're having a hard time confidence wise, which is really common, especially when you're a new mom, like things are just not going to look the same. And it's because they're not, they're not the same. Your body has done something incredible, but it's taken on changes as a result. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I always recommend people to do a mirror exercise where you wear as little as you possibly can look at yourself in the mirror and pick like three things that you love about yourself. And if you can do that, consistently, maybe it's like, you know, you can build up to to whatever you feel comfortable doing. But psychologically, you're rewiring your brain to when you look at look at yourself in the mirror, you're gonna see, you know, you have great thighs, and you have amazing cheekbones, and that will be what your brain sees first. And so that's really helpful. If you're just trying to like get used to your body and and hold space and honor that what what your body has done is huge. Mm. And then Within a partnership, the biggest thing that deters people from maintaining their spark, I guess, is the change in context. So tickling is a great example of how a change in context makes a big difference. If you were in the supermarket and some someone came up behind you and started tickling you, how quickly would you punch them in the face mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're if you're with your partner and and you're joking around and they tickle you and you laugh and you're like, "Oh my God, stop it's fine, but it's and you're telling them to stop and they'll respect that and whatever, but you're laughing and it's all in good fun because the context is there for it to be you know safe, and this person is having fun with you mm-hmm. so now. Previously with your partner, the context of your home might have been, it's me and my husband, we're newlyweds, or we're enjoying our single life and, you know, we're having a glass of wine at the end of the day and our house, it looks clean and we have our weekends completely free and we have all this energy and whatever. That context is so different than the context you experience after you are, um, you have a child. And the same thing, it's the same thing with like, if you move, if you get a new job, if you, any stressor creates a different context. And so a really helpful exercise is to think about a time where you had really, really great sex. Think about the context that was created around that. Where were you? What were you wearing? What did it smell like? What did you eat that day? Was there music playing? Was there a movie playing? What was your partner wearing? What did they smell like? And do your best to recreate as much of that context as, as possible. And if that means getting a hotel room, get a hotel room. And there is research that shows the more often you engage in sexual activity, the more often you are wanting to. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like your sexual desire is like, if you don't use it, you'll lose it type of thing. I mean, you can always get it back. But if you sort of fall out of the pattern, it totally makes sense that you're like, I don't need to do that. I'm good on that. Um, But if you can find a way to recreate a context that makes you excited about a sexual experience, brings you back to a really great experience that you had, um, that can totally put you right back on track.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, actually, like a muscle, like you have to kind of engage that muscle or like keep using it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I think it also like your, your brain remembers, like your brain will remember um, these really great experiences that you've had and experiences that are dumping all of these happy hormones on your brain. Obviously your, your, your brain and your body are going to want to repeat that as much as possible. And so if you're reminding your brain and your body that like, this is something that made us feel amazing and, um, when you, when you have sex, when you orgasm, when you even like have physical touch with somebody and you release all of those happy hormones, that creates a halo effect for the rest of your day. Like there's even research that shows that hugging a person for like 20 seconds dumps a whole bunch of, I think it's oxytocin on your brain. And that mm-hmm. makes you feel amazing. And so if a hug can do that, you can only imagine what it would be like to have like a really intimate, intimate moment with your partner and how your body's just going to want to keep
0: doing that Mm -hmm. is there like an average timeline of when things sexually start to fizzle out so it's different for everybody
1: because of the context that we're experiencing but there have been studies that show three years is typically a mark so Mm -hmm. if you hit that three year mark and you're feeling like things are slowing down a bit like that it could be but could be the reason why um another thing that's interesting is there's research that shows that women and i'm using the term women but you know it's frustrating but the research is really done within the gender binary Mm -hmm. um so i apologize for not being able to be super inclusive with it but it's just the way the research is done um so there's research that shows that women crave novelty far more than men do and so we'll lose our sexual desire if we're doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again where men seem to be more comfortable doing that and that won't necessarily diminish the sexual desire women crave the novelty which is why Mm. it's so funny that women are are painted as being so like docile and you know want when in reality we're the ones who are wanting to experience something new and we're the ones who are are craving that novelty and want want to just change it up. I would say, play with the five senses. So, getting a blindfold or getting handcuffs, like stuff like that. Um, there are even uh, restraints that attach to beds or go under beds, so they're like a little more comfortable and. Doing something like if you're wearing a blindfold, having like, this is, it sounds very silly, but it actually is really helpful. Getting like a feather or feather Mm -hmm. duster or something and like dragging that along somebody's skin and making this sort of like flush of feeling that they're not expecting that kind of thing is so helpful like there are candles you can get that melt down to be massage wax Mm -hmm. and those are really fun too because you're getting this smell you're having like this whole um sensory experience your partner can give you like a little massage which gets all the blood flowing um and go like online shopping go on like adam and eve or um love honey or something and and do some little online browsing too. And then that's kind of fun because there, there's the anticipation of something coming. And speaking of anticipation, that's also a really helpful tool is, um, is if you are experiencing some kind of slump, doing something like in the morning before everyone's gonna start their work day, like making out or like touching each other a little bit in the kitchen. And then you grab your coffee and you leave the house. And I promise you, you will think about what you're gonna do later that night all day.
0: Interesting. Okay. So you're kind of like priming your brain for. Mm -hmm.
1: You're creating new context. You're creating the context of, oh my God, my partner is so interested in me. They're flirting with me. And we, we fall out of the habit of doing that. um, Once we've been with a person for a while, but creating anticipation is creating that novelty. It's like, oh, what's going to happen? It's I, you know, I'm thinking about this all day. And, you know, even if you can't, necessarily achieve that in the morning and you're not a morning person sending a little texty text while you're at work Mm -hmm. by, by all means because creating that anticipation is making this person um you're like reigniting this whole pursuing of a person and we we once we've dated someone for a while or we're in a relationship with them for a while the you're not pursuing them anymore
0: and that's mm-hmm. exciting to be pursued and it makes you feel wanted. Would this also tie into like love languages?
1: Love languages, and there is also um something called your sexual blueprint. Ooh. And you can go online and take a quiz for your sexual blueprint. And the woman who who created that whole process, her name is Jaya. It's J A I Y A. And I highly encourage everyone do that because that also gives you information about what what about these like sensual moments are you attracted to?
0: What's like the, I guess the psychology or the, the meaning behind like fetishes?
1: So a fetish is anything that is uh, like a special interest in something that's like not traditional sex so it's funny because the the definition is so broad that now you know wearing lingerie is so normalized where maybe like 50 years ago that could have been considered a kink. so Mm. there's a really broad spectrum to all of it in my Brain, the majority of it is power play related, so it's related to like wanting to be dominant and wanting to be submissive. When we are people who are constantly making decisions, you can very easily get what's called decision fatigue. And so, people who have this decision fatigue and are tired of making decisions could very easily want to be in like a submissive role because you're like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to do, I don't, you want me to decide what we're doing. I just decided literally every... No, I don't even want to decide what I'm having for dinner and you want me to... No. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> it's a lot of different um pieces that come into play, but I think a lot of it is the power dynamic.
0: I was laughing when you were like the decision fatigue thing yeah. for two things. I remember um the comedian Nikki Glaser had this bit about like the why she likes being tied up is because she just doesn't want to do anything. Like, she's just like... She's like, I I make it sound sexy, but really, I just want to lay there and, like, not do anything, really. But then I was thinking, like, what if both people are that person? Like, you know, like, you get two people that are both wanting to just be the submissive one. That
1: means you're burnt out and you both need to take (laughs) a vacation.
0: Okay, fair enough.
1: You know, but I think, but even so, I think... um, you can kind of just switch off. Like it doesn't have to be. And I think in general, having conversations with your partner like that, like saying like, we're we're going to start swapping, we'll go mm-hmm. every other time or whatever, and we'll swap the roles. Those conversations seem very scary when you neutralize them and you just say, hey, later tonight, I am not interested in making any of the decisions in the bedroom. So if you want to do that tonight, I'll take next time. If you neutralize it and you're talking and you're talking about it in a way that is so calm and and neutral, it's really easy for the person on the receiving end to accept that. If you come to the table and you're like, uh, when we later today, you know, we like do the thing, um, I don't really want to like, you know. I don't know like be you know like if you're awkward about it and you're tripping over every word and you are making it so charged with like shame and embarrassment it makes the whole conversation so much harder so have
0: those (laughs) basically have those discussions before anything happens like yeah like away from the bedroom basically
1: yeah I think so I think so. I think that that's so much easier for people to accept conversations like that are hard when you're in a vulnerable place physically, and you are vulnerable physically when you're having sex with someone you're naked and you're, you're, you know, so charged up with all this sexual energy and you can really alter the mood if you um, are not wording something in a way that your partner is comfortable with. I would suggest having those conversations
0: beforehand, if you can. Okay, so what would be, like, some red flags for, I guess, in the bedroom, maybe also dating, maybe even on a first date?
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay, so if they don't ask you questions about yourself. And, yeah. um,
0: That's on a first date?
1: Yeah, on a first date. Okay, if they, yeah. If they're not asking, or an, on any date. Mm -hmm. Or if you've been dating someone for a while, and you this has happened to me before where I would be dating someone and they would ask like, I would ask them like, Oh, how's your day going? They would give me a laundry list of how their day is going. And then I'd be like, Oh, wow, respond. And then they wouldn't ask me about mine. Mm -hmm. And that lack of consideration can be an indicator of a lack of consideration in a whole bunch of different ways. Um, So I would just be mindful of that. Um, I think in general, anytime you don't feel like you are completely at choice with the things that you're doing is also a red flag. Like if you're trying to decide what you want for dinner, and um, you know, he's like, Oh, no, you decide and you're like, in your mind you're like i really want chinese but i don't want to tell him because i know that he doesn't like it i don't think he's going to get upset and it's like if you're doing that like it's probably not i know like i do that because i'm indecisive like i'm like i don't i'm not i'm not worried if my partner's going to be mad at me but i'm like i just don't care
0: mm-hmm. if you're
1: worried about making a choice and upsetting your partner when it's something like that and you don't feel like you have the freedom to make choices also a red flag. If you ever feel like you have to lie to your partner about where you're going, um or even like lying about um oh I can't make it to to this plan you asked me to because I have to go hang out with my family and you're trying to pretend like you don't want to do that but you do. Like anytime you can't show up as your authentic self mm-hmm. and you feel like you have to do any sort of masking or adjusting to compensate for this other person is not a great sign and if you can if you really care about this person but you sense yourself doing that and you can't have a conversation with them and say hey um i realized that i was doing this and i don't know why i was doing that and i wanted to tell you that that i i had been feeling that way and so um yeah i'm gonna just be more mindful of that but i just wanted to let you know that that's something that you know i've been doing and i don't know why if they if you have that conversation with them and their response isn't immediately, oh my God, why were you? T- I don't care that you, you know, want to hang out with your family. Of course, by all means, mm-hmm. like, don't lie. Like, I'll, you know, if they're not going to be protective and supportive of you in that moment, then that's also not great. Um, let me think of what else.
0: A, a red flag in the bedroom, maybe some like first time mm-hmm. being intimate with a partner, that type of thing.
1: If they're not asking you, what you like along the way like Mm -hmm. if you're sleeping with someone for the first time and they just immediately are like super dominant and shoving your face into a pillow or whatever
0: and you're like what the fuck we've all been there it's you know and it's just i'm laughing but like yeah
1: (laughs) it happens and it's mostly i think because like again we're not taught what people like so Uh we're not taught to ask people what they like and so we're just like guessing um but if they're doing something like that and they are not asking and you're turning around and being like this is a lot hello um and they're not being respectful of your choices then you got to be out you have to be out there should be a shape of your body in the door because you're running just right through it like don't stay Um, so anything like that or if you're making requests and they are not um, being respectful of them so like if you are someone who um, you require or prefer having lube which I recommend everyone uses lube way more than they do way more than they do Um, because our bodies are our bodies, our bodies and our fluids are being created as a response of what we're doing that day. So if you're dehydrated, you might not, you might not have um, enough to, to so be able drink to have, water, basically, drink water. Um, but if you feel like you wanted, if you want to use lube, and your partner's like, I'm not doing that. No, you should be able to, that means you're not attracted to me or what like that. Com- yeah. sort of That type of thing is also not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Not acceptable. Like you shouldn't feel shamed or unable to voice your preferences in the bedroom because your sexuality and your sexual experiences are absolutely as valuable and as important as the other person's and you should i mean you should really put yourself and your safety above everything Mm -hmm. else
0: of course yeah like Um, obviously consent is the number one red flag so totally that's totally we're saying that without having to say that that's implied obviously that's yeah not even yeah
1: and it's hard to say like what else would be a total red flag because like so for me it would be a red flag if i wanted to like bring a toy into the bedroom and they were super intimidated by that Uh uh-huh Which is really
0: common for a lot of guys, I think. I feel like they they feel like emasculated if a woman's like, you know, like you just said, introducing something, and they're like, Mm -hmm. "Well, am I not good enough? Am I not, you know, enough?" Basically,
1: right. And like that is always so frustrating because, unfortunately, that's a narrative that they've been given, and Mm. they just have been taught that. Um, But in reality, why? Like, it's like ice cream is so good on its own. Like if I have vanilla ice cream, it's delicious, like a really good vanilla ice cream. If I put hot fudge on that, (laughs) so good. It's so good. And I don't always want hot fudge. Sometimes I just want vanilla ice cream.
0: But Mm -hmm.
1: like, to me, the sex toy is the hot fudge. And so if I want to like have a little bit of a different experience, and you're not okay with that, for me, that's a red flag. But it also is so common that it's, it's a good opportunity for a conversation that's like, you know, I want to try this. And I understand that, you know, you, you might feel a little bit weird about it, but I want to explain to you why I think this might be fun. And let's try it this one time. And if it makes you uncomfortable, then we could talk about it and we'll figure something else out. Um, And maybe we don't have to do that again. But I think if there's, if they're immediately shutting you down, it's immediate nose. And um, there's like a lot of ego in the room. I don't, i don't like that i
0: can't handle ego anywhere anytime anyway no.
1: <laughs> no me neither that's a me big neither. red flag
0: for me like you you could just be doing something very pg and yeah. if you're egotistical about it i'm like i can't yuck. even i'm done.
1: yuck it's so gross i can't do it
0: yeah <laughs> I, I live in la i don't know if you still live in la do you still live in la
1: i don't i live in new york now but uh, okay. i was there for two years and my god is it the land of an ego
0: it is really, I was in, um, I was in Beverly Hills yesterday and I was like, this is why I don't live in Beverly Hills because yeah. it's like, I can sense it just like, even from a mile away, like just seeing people interact in like a supermarket or like whatever it mm-hmm. is, just like a shop. And I'm like, it's really such a turn off. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I agree completely. And LA is a weird place because most of the people who are there are trying to pursue something in entertainment. And so you naturally have to be like your own biggest fan. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's a very slippery slope into Mm -hmm. thinking that you know, you're the best at everything all the time. And that's, that's that.
0: (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, it's a, it's a weird and wonderful place for sure. I can 100% attest to that. I'm aware of time, so. I am curious, sex is just like so important. What's your POV on why it's so important? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. So I think that we oftentimes disregard sexuality as being like a luxury to the rest of our life and our well-being. And in reality, our sexuality is as important um, as every other aspect of our health. Mm -hmm. And... Sex and sexuality and intimacy are a part of our human experience. So it's so important to take every opportunity you can to approach sexuality with curiosity and playfulness, but also respect, respect for yourself and respect for the other person involved and um, prioritize the pleasure in all of it. Like this is meant, it's meant to be fun. We've been doing sex forever. It's, you know, it's, it's meant to be fun. There are, there are, um, organs in our body that are literally like the clitoris. The only function it has is to be pleasurable. That's its only function. So, you know, it's obviously it's there for a reason use it <laughs> <laughs> and don't be afraid to learn like don't be afraid to say like to ask questions and and ask your partner questions ask them what they like um and do research there are amazing places you can find information like getcheeks.com is one veducated like mm, educated, with be in the front I is like another one Yeah. They're amazing too. And know that it's your right. Like it is your right as a human being to explore all of the things that give you pleasure, whether that's like going to the beach or, um, having a dog or, or having a wonderful sex life. That's part of your right to a pleasurable life experience as a human being.
0: I love that. Okay, do you have anything to plug or promote? Because I'm sure people are dying to know <laughs> with all of this <laughs> Well, juicy advice.
1: Uh, I have a podcast called Alyssa Explains It All, and it comes out every other week on all the podcast streaming places. So you can check out um, old episodes and new episodes there. And you can follow me on Instagram. It's Alyssa LJUB. It's pronounced Lou, funny enough. Is it actually? Uh, Yes, my last name is Lubacek.
0: The- <laughs> I was actually wondering how to pronounce that. And I was like, there's yeah. no way it's Lube. That's way too like on the nose. But Isn't
1: it? Isn't it? I it, My last name is Croatian and it's Lubacek. That's so oh, funny. Yeah, it's, not, it's so funny. It was just a perfect, perfect career choice for me. Who was surprised? They shouldn't have been. Um, but follow me on Instagram. I'm always trying to post um, sex ed things there when Instagram will allow me. And um, that's where I'll share... All of my updates on all the the fun stuff that I'll have coming up in the future too.
0: Amazing! Thank you so much, Alyssa. This was so fun.
1: Thank you. I enjoyed talking to you, and um, it was awesome. Thank you for having me.